don't get the opportunity to hear your story, though. I am very confident that I would love to sit and hear what everybody has to say, where you're from, your history, because um, everybody has an awesome story. But I don't get to hear yours, but you get to hear mine. So my name is Carrie Ann Pryor. Um, you can call me Carrie. I grew, I'm a graduate of Central Bible College from there. My husband and I moved to Radiant Life Church in Dublin, and we were youth pastors there for four years. And we, um, we loved it there. It was great. And then we felt that God was transitioning us out. And so we moved up to Toledo with Pastor Chad Gilligan there at Toledo Calvary Church. We served there as youth pastors for three, three and a half years, and then my husband felt it was time that God was calling him into vocational or into um, marketplace ministries, which means he wasn't being full-time vocational pastor. So uh, he stepped out of being a youth pastor, and I stepped into filling in everything I could at the church. I wanted to learn the ins, the outs, the whys, the hows, the whatchamacallit. So I served Sunday morning cafe. I did kids ministry. I did youth. I was youth worship. I did worship team. I did a lot of stuff because I wanted to know the ins and outs of this phenomenal church. Uh, if you don't know Calvary Church, they're a church of about 2,000. They're doing something incredible up there in Toledo. So we um, loved being there. My last um, couple of years there, I got to serve as an assistant to one of the associate pastors who oversaw the first impressions department which oversaw assimilation and I got to learn a lot of stuff from that. Um, about a month and a half ago my family and I moved from Toledo to Stowe, Ohio to join with Pastor Josh Williford to um, replant, relaunch a church there. So my husband and I are campus pastors there now. Um, I get to partner with Josh as their, their Connect and Assimilation Pastor. So i got so much going on. I just want to give you that information because when I sit in front of some, when I sit there and I want to take notes from someone, I kind of want to know their credibility. want to know why. Why am I listening to you? Why do you get to stand in front of me? So... I'm just sharing that, and maybe that doesn't give me credibility, but you're stuck here anyway. So, my great-grandfather founded my home church, and that is where my uh, parents currently serve. They are two of the best lay um, servants that any church ever could have. If the doors were open, we were there. My dad worked for the railroad. My mom worked for the school district. But you would think that my parents were pastors because of the way that they raised us kids. Um, but my parents' whole goal was they were, their goal was to make the church the best place it could be to grow the kingdom of God which is exactly why all of you are here today, which is exactly why Synergy is happening, so we can grow the kingdom of God. So today I get to share with you a process for assimilation, and I'm not giving you a cookie-cutter process. There is no way that I can say, if you do this, 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 and this, your church is going to take fire and you're going to grow and all that stuff. What I hope to do today is I hope to give you some inspiration to say... Uh, to see what can work for your church culture because we all serve in so many different places. Our towns look completely different from one another. So I can't give you a cookie cutter process because if I could, life would be way too easy. But I'm going to give you some inspirations, some concepts from things that I've learned along the way that I've learned at Toledo Calvary and that I'm learning now at New Life. So assimilation, I don't know if you're like me, but that word was never a part of my vocabulary for years. Like, 
maybe last year it joined my vocabulary. I didn't, I didn't pay much attention to that whole word and what it actually meant, all the stuff behind it. Um, but assimilation being the process through which we forge interpersonal connections and we're fostering intimate relationships and interactions. It's the whole point of drawing people in you want to draw them in, not just to your church, but to the kingdom of God, to welcome them into this family, to welcome them as a family member, and keep them there, okay? We're not kicking anybody out of this family. So there's a quote that says, when people feel that their church is intimately invested in them, they are more likely to sacrificially and intimately invest in their church. Makes complete sense, right? What you pour into somebody else, they feel um, completely connected and invested into, they're going to re regurgitate that and just, it's just this whole cycle, this whole process. Um, when people come to your church, when someone arrives at your church, I'm not just saying Sunday mornings because who has Wednesday nights still going on? Anybody? Okay, anybody have Sunday nights still going on? Okay. People are constantly coming in your building. So what I'm sharing with you today is not necessarily focusing solely on Sunday mornings because people are constantly coming into your church, constantly um, needing this, this interaction. But when somebody arrives, they want to feel respected and welcomed. When somebody arrives at your church, whether it's a new person, a guest, or a regular attendee, or you. You want to feel respected and welcomed. And as a person is leaving, they want to feel noticed and valued. Seriously, that's that's us too. I, uh, when I did the research and I, I uh, saw this, I thought exactly like that's how I want to feel going into my church. That's how I want to feel leaving my church. Why would it be any different for anybody else? We're all people. We all need these relationships. We all have these feelings. We all want to feel connected. Um, so with that, we are learning four keys to, let's see, four key parts that there's four key parts for the sake of time, for the sake of your hands, I'm only going to share four. Four key parts that need to move both individually and collectively for success and assimilation. Okay, so there's these four things. I'm quite passionate about them because unfortunately they uh, go all too often unnoticed in churches. Okay, the first one is hospitality. Now it is said that your hospitality can either cause someone to have fear or it can have, cause someone to have comfort. It's completely up to how you do it. Um, but there's a process, and within this process, Tony Cook quoted that clarity eases anxiety, and, and our hospitality is all about bringing clarity. Okay? There are two forms of hospitality. There are two things for it. The first one is passive. Passive is your signs, your maps. If I were to walk into your church building, well, first, can I find your door? Do I know which door is actually the right one to walk into? When I walk into that building, can I tell which way I'm supposed to go? Can I figure out my way around without asking for directions? Because 
really, who likes to ask for directions, okay? So we like to make sure that we can get from point A to point B through these passive signs, through these maps. Like I said, my family and I just moved to Stowe, Ohio. So um, you know when you move, like you have to, you empty your fridge before you move, and then you go, and now you have an empty fridge and you have to refill it. So you have to go to the grocery store. So we have to find a grocery store. And you know when you're used to like your norm and then you have to go to one that you're not used to, you're completely reliant upon their signs. I don't know where the bread is in that Acme, but I gotta figure it out following these signs, okay? This is how people feel walking into your church building, okay? They don't, they need to have that clarity because if they have this clarity, if they can figure it out on their own, if they can see your signs, it's going to ease the anxiety that they have inside them, okay? So with these passive things, they are looking for three main locations. First one is the bathroom. Oddly enough, if you have a sign that clearly shows where the bathroom is, that eases some anxiety because if emergency happens, they know where they can run to, okay? And it eases some anxiety there. The second place that they want to know is where is your kid's ministry? Where is your nursery? Especially in the day and age that we live in, security is a major thing. So they want to know that your kid's ministry is a secure place where they can trust your um, volunteers and they can trust that their child is going to come back to them safe, right? Makes sense. The last place, the third main place that people need to see through this passive form of hospitality is where your auditorium or your sanctuary is located. They want to know where everybody's going. Where can they follow the flow of the fish? Where is this main event that people keep talking about? You have these three things signed right out the gate. That is so helpful to a person. Okay. So you have your passive form of hospitality, and the next one is your active form of hospitality. You're probably going to figure this out right away because y'all are super smart, but your, your active form of hospitality is your real people, real flesh and blood, that are standing there assisting people. Your hospitality team has to have intentional communication constantly all the time. They have both verbal communication and they have the nonverbal communication, okay? They can stand there like this and say, hey, welcome to new life. What's up? It's not going to help out. You know, you got to, I'm like Josh. If I can't have my arms, I can't really talk. So, hey, welcome to new life. You know, it's way different body language, all that stuff. But with your active hospitality team, what are they saying when somebody comes up to them? If they get to wear that cool lanyard that says, how may I help you? And somebody actually asks them a question, do you know what kind of an answer they're going to give? Okay. So what are they saying? How do they look? We had a lady one time. I have to tell it because it's just, oh, I feel bad, but we were doing communion at church. Won't tell you which church, but we were doing communion at church, and she leaned over to pass the wonderful tray, and a lot of visual happened there. So you know what I'm saying? There is too much cleavage happening. So we need to make sure that our hospitality team is actually dressing appropriate because they're, actually, they're, re they're representing you, okay? You don't want to cause 
My, massive, my major thing is you don't want to cause distractions. No matter what, like whether it's from, and I'm going to go on a little rabbit trail here, but no matter if it's your, if it's your light in your sanctuary, if it's your, in one of our bathrooms at Stowe, it's a small church where we have a small congregation, um, on one of our bathrooms, the halogen light is flickering. Drives me nuts, okay? That's a distraction to me because all my brain is thinking about is this halogen that's blinking. You don't want to cause distraction. And your hospitality team, the active side of them, you don't want that to be a distraction to a person. Okay? So how are they looking? Are they well-informed speaking the same language? They're, do they have breath mints? I'm so grateful that so many churches today offer free coffee, but I don't want to smell it on your breath when I walk into the building. Okay? I want to smell it in the air, not on your breath, so make sure your hospitality team has fresh breath. Um, like I said, if you have the ability, they need to be identifiable. A lanyard, a simple lanyard, doesn't cost a whole lot of money. Uh, just saying, how may I help you? Uh, or if some of you have the opportunity to do those sweet name tags, that looks sharp too. Just a way that a person can identify your hospitality team. And then these, this team needs to be stationed throughout your building. So um, at Calvary, it's a... Calvary took over um, an, 18, um, th an 18 theater building, um, so it was massive, okay? So we had to have people stationed all throughout the building. If we just had people at the front doors, they, we needed to pe have people friendly, welcoming them all throughout the building. Our signs were great. People can find it just by the signs, yes, but it's a lot more friendly if you can have this interaction with a, a real person. So you need to have people stationed at all major hallway intersections in your church. All major intersections. Okay, so you have to have them there and it's for the purpose, it's like I said, it's causing comfort. Your whole point, if you're able to do this, it's to just ease the anxiety of a new person coming in your building. We don't want to do anything that would cause them to want to turn around and walk out. One time we had a gentleman, you could watch him from the parking lot. He was kind of having this like battle going back and forth in his mind. He just stood there for a while. He took a couple steps. Then he turned back around, walked back to his car. He finally walked into the building and one of our hospitality members said, Are you sure in the right place? A guy turned back around and he left the building. We learned later that he was actually the friend of one of our members and he had just convinced him to come to church. Guy never went to church before. He was convinced that if he walked into the building that he would get struck by lightning, like most people think. Um, and unfortunately when he walked in the building, he didn't get that warm hospitality welcome and he turned back around. Thankfully we were able to track him down and be able to patch up different things that happened there, hopefully fix that scenario. But it's really crucial that your hospitality team, you know what they're saying. You can trust them. And so this is um, where training is important, kind of what Josh was talking about in the last session. Because you have to be able to trust what somebody else is saying. You have to make sure they're all speaking the same language. And unfortunately, they're not puppets and you can't move their mouths and your words can't come out of their mouth. Um, so what I created at Calvary is a um, was simply a hospitality manual. We didn't use, at Calvary, we didn't use the online training that New Life does. 
Well, I had this manual. So if someone wanted to be a part of the hospitality team, I handed them this manual. It's written out there, completely written out. Um, dressing appropriate um, from what you should say, like the language of the church. So we had three different venues at our Calvary facility, uh, and they needed to know what was happening in Auditorium 1, Auditorium 2, and what we called the chapel. We need to make sure everyone was speaking that same language because if we're putting a ton of time into advertising it well and making sure that our language is sharp, you want your volunteers to do the same. But in there also was information for our hospitality team to know what to do for for offering. So once those offering things come around and you're in the back, where does it go? What to do with communion, but also what to have what happens at a fire drill. Okay, what happens at a fire drill? You need your hospitality team there directing traffic. Okay, what happens if an active shooter comes in the building? You need your hospitality team there to kind of have a concept of what to do. Okay, keep everybody on the same page. Keep everyone together. Like I said, at Calvary, I had that in a manual. It was a wonderful thing. It's an easy thing to do. Um, so with this also is the question of how do you spot a visitor? So we've all been like visitors to a place that we've never been before, and you know, maybe it's just me, but when I walk in, I'm like this, looking up, looking across. I don't want to make eye contact with anybody, so I'm looking up, okay, and trying to figure out where things are. They may look a little lost, they may look confused, they, you know, you can spot them like that. But when your hospitality person comes up and introduces themselves, you don't want to say, hey, are you new here? Because that can embarrass somebody, okay? It can offend somebody because also if your hospitality team is not on every single week, every single Sunday, if you have a volunteer like that, you need to give them a break. But your team isn't on constantly, so they're not going to know if Joe Schmo has come three weeks ago, okay? So you can't just assume that somebody's new. So you have to language. You have to be able to ask things appropriately. So one of the best things to do if a person is looking around, looking confused, you ask, hey, how can I help you today? So easy. Because out of that, they're going to spark, well, you know, I'm new here and blah, 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 blah. You know, they're going to continue with that. Or um, if it's a family that comes in and they have small children, you cannot automatically assume that they are going to trust you and they're going to want to put their small children into your children's ministry. So you can't automatically point them in the direction of kids' ministry, but a friendly thing to say is, um, would, your, would your children like to sit with you in church or can I show you what our ministry looks like? Such a simple invitation that allows them to know that it is okay if they take their kids into church. And you know what? It's okay if their kid makes noise because they're in church, okay? So we just help guide them like that. Like I said, don't make assumptions if somebody, don't make an assumption if you think someone's a visitor. Um, and then with it is how do you greet your guests within service? This could probably go for pastor, senior pastors in the room, whoever gets to stand with your microphone on your stage. Um, when you spot a visitor in your auditorium, what happens then? Please don't make them stand up and tell you where they're from and what their name is and what they do for their job because the number one fear in America is... Public speaking. So if you are making your guests stand up in church and tell us your name, guess where? They're not going to go next Sunday. They're not coming back to your church because you just completely embarrassed them. Um, also, okay, so our, our current church in Stowe is... Um, we got really excited this past Sunday. We had 40 people. Okay, so um, it is an older congregation that 
it's like when a visitor walks in, it's like fresh blood, and you just want to like swarm them and bring them in, and like you want to engulf them. So there's like the stampede of people that like chomp them down and tell us, tell us your story, blah 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 blah. You have to have this crazy balance, and it's not always easy. But this is also where training comes with your people. But you, you guys are phenomenal for being here today because you can be the start of it. Um, so you don't stampede your visitors, you don't give them, you don't make them uncomfortable. There's got to be this balance because oddly enough, some people just want to walk in your building and walk out and be unnoticed, okay? So you don't want to overwhelm others because we want them to return. All right, that's the first key. Whew, here we go. All right, key number two is information. So information, information, key number two for um, assimilation within your church. All right, this is clear and simple information for your guests, okay? I am confident all your churches have phenomenal things for people to be a part of. Whether it's your Sunday night service, your Wednesday night service, your Tuesday night um, small groups, your Thursday night support groups, your Saturday morning karate class. I am sure you have some awesome things for them to be a part of. But they don't need to know all of that. They just need to know one to two primary next step things in your church. They need just one or two. If you only have one, hang with that. It's this next step, okay? Okay, they've come to your church. What next? What should I do next? At Calvary, we had a class called Vision and Values, and it was um, for anyone who wanted to become a member of Calvary. It was a place for them to go and um, learn the history, learn our 16 fundamental truths, learn everything that we believe. So that was, we put that out there. That was one of the steps that they could take if they're interested in becoming um, a member at Calvary. But one of the other key thing that we pushed was our new people party at, at New Life, we call it pizza with a pastor. This is a phenomenal thing for you, your leadership to throw quarterly, okay? You're throwing this invitation out that, hey, if you are new to our church within the past six months, we would love to invite you to come out. I did the announcements a couple times. Do so you hear it in my voice? <laughs> I've done these announcements before. Um, we would love for you to come out and get to meet our staff. And at these casual new people parties, pizza with a pastor, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to do, your pastor, your team, your staff gets to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with these guests. You're opening the doors. It's like welcoming back into your house for a meal, warm cooked meal. Don't go cheap on it. Don't go skimpy. Um, this is your place to splurge on the budget because it's about making them feel important. But for your guests, you want them to know that information. So that is their primary information, is how can they get to know more about your church? Does that make sense? All right, the second thing under information is you want clear and simple information from your guests. Because if you don't get information back from your guests, how are you gonna keep connected with them? It's not gonna get you very far. We all have very different methods of how we do this. Um, at Calvary, for many, many years, they had their bulletin that on the inside was a perforated flap that you could fill out, tear it off, slide it in the offering, 
or you could take it out to our information desk. That's how a visitor turned in their information. Calvary switched though from doing weekly bulletins to doing a monthly newsletter, so we needed to come up with something a little more creative. So we had the opportunity um, through our recent construction to create this area that was signed simply new here. And a guest was able to either go to that area before or after service. They fill out their information on a connection card and um, that's how we got their information. At New Life, we have connection cards within the front um, seats of the chairs, which I actually think is quite brilliant because they don't make just visitors fill it out. They actually make their entire congregation sign in. Y'all are nodding your heads, so you probably do it too. Or you're passing a thing down your pews. Um, that allows for your visitors. Everybody gets the opportunity to put something in the offering. Um, everybody gets the opportunity to fill it out. It doesn't necessarily make a visitor feel as though they're standing out because they're the only one filling out this card, okay? But the information that you're asking them for, you just need the, what you need to know is simply name and like email, phone number, whatever you use to connect with them. If you ask for so much information, I mean, you don't need their social security number. You just need to know how you can follow up, okay? You need to have um, access to be able to connect with them through these cards. Um, so along with that, I'm just going to hit on this real quick, is that if you are giving your guest a gift, some people might, um, you know, if they show up to this area at Calvary, they got a coffee tumbler or a notepad. At New Life, they get a coffee cup because everybody loves coffee, I guess. And um, But if you are given a gift, make sure it's not cheap. <laughs> make sure it is unique. Can I just throw that out there? That's another place to splurge because love is in the details. And if you go cheap on a gift for your guests, then what does that tell them how you actually feel about them? I'm sorry, we don't all have it in the budget. I'm fully aware of that. But I'd rather you not give a gift than to give a cheap gift. So, all right, so we learned the first two steps. You're almost there, you're halfway there. Next two steps are extremely crucial in this process. And it is follow-up. You got them in your church. You got them through your doors. You got them to fill out a connection card. Congratulations. Now what do you do with it? And the process of your follow-up. And I can be honest that this can be some of the most trickiest thing. You can have the most beautiful signs in your building, but if you're not following up with a guest, you're missing out on a great opportunity to learn another person's story. Okay? <coughs> So your follow-up needs to be something simple, easy, immediate, and effective. So how fast can you follow up with your guests? The first follow-up is most beneficial when it is done within the first 24 hours of visiting, which you might think I'm crazy, but there's a statistic that says 90% of guests will actually return if somebody follows up with them on the same day of their visit. That's 90% of your guests that came through your door will more than likely return if you are able to follow up with them within the first 24 hours. If you follow up with them on a Monday, that percentage drops to 60%. So it goes down a bit every single day of the week that you will let pass by. 
And this isn't necessarily something that the senior pastor has to do. A friend of mine um, went to uh, a church down in Georgia because they um, were looking to relocate, so they wanted to check out some churches down there. And they you know, went in, were greeted by an awesome hospitality team. And then by the time they left, it was an hour later, they got a text message from that church that said, hey, it was great to meet you today. Within an hour of them leaving, it kind of blew my mind because I hadn't really heard of somebody doing it that quickly, but they were blown away. And then it was the next day on that Monday, they got a follow-up email. Hey, just, it was so great to meet you. If you have any more questions about our church, blah, 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 blah. An easy, immediate contact. So your follow-up process can happen either with emails. How many of you email? Anybody email to follow up with your guests? Okay. Emails are awesome, but they can also get um, lost because there's so many emails happening. But I did read somewhere that if you choose to email, um, and I, I haven't tried this for myself, I'm just saying what I, what I learned in the research, is that if you email on Monday... Okay, it's not 24 hour, It's not within 24 hours. But if your email goes out on Monday, between the hour of 2 and 3 p.m., someone will more likely read it. And I thought that was insane. And so the reason why I said is because uh, by that time, most people on their job are kind of bored, and they're looking for something to do, so they're just going to skim through their emails, and they're going to more than likely read yours at that time. Odd? I don't know. I haven't tried it. But your emails need to be quick, okay? Um, the database that we use at New Life allows us to send a text message through the computer, so it's not like I'm texting them from my personal cell phone and then everybody in the church has my phone number because I don't want that to happen. Um, but there is a text message available on their database system. We did not have that at Calvary. So um, what I had to do was I did an, either an email or a letter. Sometimes I actually did both because I knew that I could get the email to them before our letter because oddly... In Toledo, when I put something in the mail, well, first, pastor was off on Monday. So I had to wait until Tuesday for pastor to come and sign the letters. So by the time he came and signed the letters, our mailman had already gone because mailman came super early. So my letters sometimes went out on Wednesday. By the time it went out on Wednesday, Toledo mail goes from Toledo to Detroit to Toledo and then disperses. I don't know why. I don't like it. So I didn't know if my if our visitors were getting the mail Friday or the following week. Had no idea. So for us there, the best, quick, easy way to connect with somebody um, was through email. Because like I said, the longer you wait to follow up with them, the less likely they are to return. Um, and what you say is simple, short, sweet, so glad to have you. Look forward to seeing you again, because that gives them to look forward. It's the future. Look forward to seeing you again. Um, all this wonderful stuff. But it's not just your first-time guests that you are trying to hit up here, because you need to make sure if a person comes back a second time, you need to follow up with them. If a person comes back a third time, that means that they're pretty well in, so you better follow up with them, okay? So it's not just your first-time guests. You need to also acknowledge those who are second and third-time guests, okay? Because um, it's kind of like, so I thought about this analogy because I have two children, and 
I I thought about this like you know when you when when you have one baby and you get to give them all the attention and then you have another child and the first one kind of fends for themselves and all that stuff but they still need your attention even though you just brought this fresh baby home so that's the same way that it is with a guest you have first-time guests everybody's going to be oohing and on over your first-time guests that's awesome but the second third fourth time regular attendee they still need some of your attention also so just going to throw that little nugget out there um if you don't hear from a person if you don't hear from that person after following up, follow up again. You're allowed to. They gave you their information. You're not doing it to nag. You're not doing it to condemn them for not being there on a Sunday. You're doing it to just check in. Hey, just check in and just see how you're doing. Um, just letting you know that we're still here. If there's anything we can help you with, we'd love, we'd love for you to um, let us know. When do you stop? If you don't hear from them within like a month and a half, they never come back to your doors, you can kind of let it slide. Send them your main events, but don't overly nag them, okay? All right, whew, so much. Our next one is the fourth key to this is connection. So you got a person in your doors, your hospitality team nailed it that Sunday and welcomed them in. They loved it. They filled out their connection card. You followed up super well. They came back. Now we need to get them connected because once you get um, effective connection is the end of assimilation and the beginning of discipleship. Once you get a person connected, this is your, uh, they're, they're in for the most part. Because that's when they start building those relationships. Josh shared the statistic last in the first assimilation or in the first class today. And it said that if a person needs five to seven solid relationships within your church, within the first six months of them coming, in order to keep them there, because after 12 months, if they don't build those relationships, they're going to be gone. Because we're all human and God built us for the need of relationships. And if we don't have that, then what's the point of staying? You know, if a person doesn't, if they come into your church and they're just in and out, they're not going to last very long. They're probably going to pop on down to the next church down the street. So connecting people matters because, like I said at the very beginning, a person, they want to feel like they are valued and that they matter. So... <laughs> Hi. <laughs> um, so you got to have, this is your smooth transition. Your smooth tra you need to have a smooth transition from a person being a guest to an attendee to a member. I kind of had this like football analogy. So think of it this way. Okay, bear with me. Hope you can visualize this. That um, a person watching a football game on television. These are your people who are going to check you out online judge your book by its cover because they will based off of your social media presence and based off of your website um, so this is like a person who watches a football game on the television they are on the outside judging it in it also this is also includes the people who drive by your church every single day of the week so where our church is in Stowe it's on a main road we constantly have people driving by 
our impression is our building, okay? I could probably get onto it later if I have time. But the impression that your building is leaving on those that are driving by, are your trees trimmed? Are your bushes trimmed? Do you have weeds in your flower bed? Is your front door nice? Or is your paint chipped? Is your shingles, whatever? People are judging your book by its cover, even though they tell us not to. Um, so that's like the people that are watching TV, watching football on TV. And then as a person decides that they want to attend a football game, they're going to spend a little bit of money and get a seat in the stands. People don't have to pay money to go to our churches, but they are giving up their time. Time is money. Time is precious, especially in this uh, day and age where there's just so much for people to do. If they are giving time to come to your church for an experience, give them an awesome experience. And then season ticket holders are like those uh, regular spectators who they have they've bought in. They may not be there every single week because on average, a person who considers themselves a regular attender comes to your church once every five weeks. I don't know how that makes them regular, but they think it does. Um, so this is like a, a season ticket holder. They are coming to your games whenever it's convenient for them, but they'll be there. And you're the name that they're cheering. If they're on the sidelines, they're cheering for you because they consider themselves part of your team. Okay, they're cheering for your church. Woo-hoo, new life. And then um, the next part of it is like the football team, actively involved, active volunteers. And then you got your coaches who they become like those that are leading in different ministries. So how does a person get connected at your church? The likelihood of a first-time guest becoming a member increases to 50% when they are invited to a small group. When they are invited to something where they can connect with people, it increases. They want to feel uh, a part of the family. They want to um, they want to get in into the little groove there. So whether that's your Sunday school, you can have a teacher invite them to their Sunday school class. I mean, it's as simple as that. Or it's, uh, if you have small groups, connect group, life group, whatever you want to call it, care group, um, a person inviting them to that. At Calvary, we did a sports ministry. So we had softball teams and volleyball teams. And um, a unique story from that is uh, they are two of my best friends right now, actually. They came to Calvary on a Sunday where our lead pastor wasn't preaching. So they weren't fully impressed by the preacher. Okay, They managed to walk in and out of the building. They, at that time, didn't have their small kids with them because they wanted to check the church out by themselves for the first time. They walked in and out. Nobody said hi to them. So they decided, I don't, maybe Calvary isn't for us. Maybe I'm not going to go there. Um, and so they tried out a couple other churches in the area. But based off of our Calvary's website and Calvary's social media presence that drew them back. Let's give it a second chance because this is what's going on, but let's be there when the lead pastor's there. So they came back. They had a complete different experience. Maybe our hospitality team was had a little bit more coffee. They were a little bit more friendlier. They welcomed them when they walked in the front door. Lead pastor preached. They thought he was phenomenal. But what kept them at the church was that they came in the winter, and during that time we had a volleyball team happening, and um, the wife, Nicole, joined the volleyball team. I also was on the volleyball team. We started this connection, this friendship. Um, my husband and I are hunters, so her husband was wearing a camo vest or a camo jacket, so we immediately made this connection with that. And them joining the volleyball team, that small group connection, is what kept them at Calvary. 
It wasn't the pastor's preaching. It wasn't the people who greeted them at the front door. It was that small group connection that we made on the sidelines of the volleyball court. I can, I can be an introvert easily if I'm not in a comfortable zone. So it, it's awkward for me to invite somebody to a small group. But everybody feels that way, which is what I'm learning. Everybody feels that way. Everybody feels a little bit awkward at times. So why not take the initiative of breaking that awkward ice and you invite them out and even if it's a cup of coffee, they need connection. People need to be a part of this family. All right. So with those four key parts of assimilation, I want you to be able to, not today, not right now, hopefully down the road, you're able to walk into your church, maybe tomorrow, and on a scale of 1 to 10, you can, you can see how well you're doing with your hospitality. You can see how well you're doing with the information you're giving visitors and that you're getting from them. You can see how well you're following up, and you can learn about how to connect people there. Some of you aren't lead pastors. Some of you don't have the opportunity to have a microphone in your hand on a Sunday morning, but you are all influencers. So these are four keys that you can do on your own, even if you are not on a team. You can be super hospitable and welcome somebody to church on a Sunday. You can have the right body language. You can have the right words to say if you take the time. Um, you can personally get a person's information. Hey, it was so great to meet with you today. I'd, I'd like to follow up with you. Or can I hit you up on social media? That's the best way to just connect with a person um, if they don't want to give you their phone number and their address. Um, and then you follow up and you connect. You can do this on a large scale. You can do this on a small scale. You can do this by yourself. I feel like Dr. Seuss. But you can do this. Everybody can do this. And truth be known, you have to do this to grow the kingdom of God because it's all about relationships. I could go on. There's uh, two other parts of this that I wanted to hit on a little bit was first impressions. And like I said, um, but for me, like I said about um, people are judging your book by its cover, They're your social media, your website. They're judging your building. Um, I, this is, I don't know why, whatever, but this is a huge deal to me. Um, because it goes back to you don't want to be you don't want anything to be a distraction to somebody. So if you're if your sign if this is your fire exit sign in your building, can you please put another piece of tape on it or you're gonna distract me and drive me crazy? You know, it's simple things like this, but to be honest, they're like not all these signs are straight, which kind of drives me nuts. Maybe it's my OCD. But it drives me a little bit crazy. You have to look a little beyond. Do you know that like when you live in your house for so long and you kind of ignore the fact that there's dirt right there? And Or do you hear about the lady recently who put um, a $5 bill under a piece of paper? Did you guys hear about that? And she left it on the floor to see if her family picked it up. And nobody picked it up until her daughter accidentally picked up her dirty clothes with it and saw the $5 bill. Okay. But this is the same way in your church, okay? You can't just overlook the, the water-stained thing. Like, because if I'm a guest and I walk in, I'm going to say, oh, they have a roof leak. They must not know how to take care of their building. And if I'm thinking that, like, people are, we, 
try not to judge, but people are judging your book by its cover. Your first impressions are huge. How it looks, how does it look inside? Is it outdated? Are you up to date in your decor? What's on the walls? How does your bathroom smell? Those are all massive first impressions. The new converts, you obviously, we love when people get saved. It's all what we're here about. We want to eliminate all distractions. We want to be hospitable and do all those four, three, or four keys of assimilation because we want people to become converts to Jesus. We want them to give their life to Jesus. And um, so you need to make sure that your follow-up process in this is grounded as well. Um, you need to know how you're getting a new convert's information. At Calvary, we had these cards that they looked just like our connection card, but they were a different color. And it said, it simply was at the top, it said, I have decided. And then down below, they could check mark whether or not they was a, a rededication, a salvation, um, if they want more information on water baptism that kind of stuff, but it gives us then their information, and we get to follow up. They take, um, our prayer team meets with them. They get a Bible. We did, for the longest time, we gave them um, $1 paperback Bibles, um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but Calvary was in a place where they could afford to put a little bit more money into it, so if a new convert came on a Sunday morning, if after a Sunday morning service, someone had dedicated their life to Christ, they actually got a really nice, real sharp looking Bible because that's how serious they took it. Um, I could linger on these, I could do that, but I need to give you guys time for questions super fast before you all get to go eat some food. And yes, there's so much information. And I can easily email you my notes. I love this kind of stuff, if you didn't notice. So um, if you would like my email address, I can give it to you somehow. I did not put it on a slide, but I can give it to you. It's, um, I'll just give it right now. Carrie Ann, C-A-R-I-A-N-N-E at stownewlife.com is my email address. So it's Carrie Ann, C-A-R-I-A-N-N-E, at Stowe, S-T-O-W, newlife.com. It's a simple way. You can um, just shoot me an email and say, hey, I'd like your notes, or hey, this is, take a picture of something at your church. This is what we have going on. What do you think about this? I'd love to share my opinion with you. Um, 